Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with Dr. Ted Cole about the benefits of HBOT. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, dysautonomia, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I am editor-in-chief of The Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com and be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also I encourage you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today my guest is Dr. Ted Cole, and he is an, he received his undergraduate degree in psychobiology with a minor in biochemistry and molecular biology. He received his graduate degree with a double major in clinical and experimental psychology, then worked as a psychologist in a child and family outpatient clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida for four years. This was followed by medical school and a residency in family practice. He's been doing integrative medicine for over 30 years and founded the Cincinnati Hyperbarics 20 years ago, treated a wide variety of conditions over the years. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Cole. So happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So HBOT, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, is a topic that I don't think gets enough attention, especially in the TBI world. So I'm really excited to dive into that a little deeper today. But first, I would love for you to share with us, you know, how did you come to working with the TBI community? What what kind of led you here? Uh, really, the basis was I couldn't get my patients into chambers. I was getting TBI patients into my practice, and standard medicine, unfortunately, has really very little to offer for that condition. Yeah. I was using primarily nutritional approaches, but I had been reading about hyperbaric oxygen therapy, tried to refer my patients in for treatments, but nobody would take them. <laughs> so I wow. figured, okay, I'm just going to have to start my own uh, center here and buy my own chambers because people aren't able to get the treatment they need. Yeah. Wow. So you just kind of filled, filled a need. Um, 
yeah, fill exactly. the void that was out there. Yeah. Wow. So how many chambers do you currently have in your clinic? Uh, currently two multi-places and one monoplace. And what does that mean? So in a multi-place, you're, there's two main differences. Number one, like the name implies, you're in with more than one person. The other way is in which the oxygen is delivered. So in a multi-place, you're wearing what's called a hood or a bib. It's basically, if you can think like a Tupperware container for your head, <laughs> and the oxygen is piped in that way. In a mono place, it's a one-person chamber, and the entire atmosphere is oxygen, so there's no use of a hood or anything like that. Basically, you just lie or sit there and breathe. So those are the two major differences. The, the important part is that the clinical outcome the results are exactly the same regardless of which chamber you use. You get the same benefit. So I hear a lot about um, the the hard-sided, the closed hard-sided chambers, and the soft-sided chambers. Um, can you maybe share the differences in those? Oh, sure. Uh, and I looked at this a lot before I opened my own hyperbaric center thinking, oh, gosh, these you know, soft chambers are cheap and easy. I mean, I could get a bunch of them and treat lots of people, but unfortunately, uh, they just don't work well. The history is they're originally called gamal bags, and they were developed as a means of transporting patients who needed a hyperbaric chamber. So mm, they've never been approved for clinical use. And at least I know in the state of Ohio, which is where I practice, and I think nationwide, it's really illegal to use oxygen in the soft chambers. So that's one part. You can't really get sufficient oxygen concentration. Number two, you're limited to the amount of pressure you can use. So with a hyperbaric chamber that's a hard chamber, we'll go up typically for brain injuries to 1.75 atmospheres, which is the treatment depth, as they say. With a soft chamber, you're maybe you're going to get 1.2 atmosphere, something like that. So it's not really an adequate treatment. I mean, they just can't do what a hard chamber does. Mm-hmm. And when I look yeah. at the literature and trying to decide between the two, all of the literature I was giving regarding soft chambers really came from treatment and hard chambers. <laughs> so... Uh, the the heart chambers are certainly the best way to go. I mean, I would have loved if I could have not spent the money on the heart chambers. But <laughs> in terms of, you know, efficacy, there's just really no comparison. So what about soft chambers for home use? You're facing the same limitations. I mean, yeah. you can get some progress. I mean, you know, they can do some good. But, you know, when you're really talking about a brain injury and something, you know, kind of serious, they're just not going to be adequate over time in order to get the kind of response that we do with a hard chamber. And and I'll tell you one of those things that is a big difference is that it's been shown in the hard chambers that one of the ways that it's effective is that it can increase stem cell production by 800% or so stem cells being those cells that can go anywhere, become any tissue. So they're really the repair engines for the, in the entire body. Soft chambers don't do that. 
they really can't stimulate that production. So that, that's a huge, huge difference because stem cells are really, like I say, a critical factor in healing. Yeah, and that's I'm writing that down because um, that's actually the first time I've heard anyone talk about that. Um, that is not a way I've ever heard it explained to me. Um, so that that's super fascinating to me. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people get the soft chambers for home use, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I you're not the first person I've heard explain between the soft and the hard, and the, the different. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Like. You just can't get the same yeah. pressure um, with a soft side that you can with a hard chamber, um, as scary as some right. of those hard chambers look. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Some look like but a little submarine, and some are a little more clear. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, we even have uh, children with autism and people with anxiety and those kinds of things. And once they get in there and experience it, we rarely have any problems. I mean, they, they get used to it very quickly. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about this stem cell, stem cell stimulation that happens. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Is that why people are getting such a benefit from HBOT? Is that like the, the, cer- the magic? Oh, yeah, certainly one of them. <laughs> the magic uh, formula is the stem cells. It's definitely a big part of it. There's no question. Now there are other factors at work there as well. Um, you know, I can list a couple of like it increases growth factors. This is independent of the stem cell issue as well. It prov- promotes nerve growth. It helps mm-hmm. reduce mm-hmm. swelling which is, again, in a brain injury, really one of the critical things you've got to do. Oftentimes this swelling is part of what's causing the damage as time goes on. It helps improve and get rid of inflammation. And we know from the research that inflammation gets out of control in brain injury and contributes to ongoing damage. So there's other, and it also improved the mitochondrial function. Now the mitochondria are the parts of the cell that produce energy. So if your cellular energy factory is impaired, you're not going to be able to heal heal very well. So all of these factors contribute to the final product, which is basically, like I say, that it's regeneration that's healing of this damage. Mm-hmm. And what are you finding? Um, you know, I hear a lot of conflicting information from people who've done HBOT, um, you know, as far as how many times you have to do the HBOT treatments. Yeah, it's highly variable depending on the individual, the amount of damage that's done, the length of time between the damage and the therapy. Some people just have a mild problem and say for a concussion, for instance, sometimes we've had people in two or three treatments be fine. Others need 20 or 30. If you're talking about a more severe issue, stroke, uh, penetrating, head injuries, these types of things, most people are going to need at least 40 treatments. And what we do at the Cincinnati Hyperbarics is, and I think most places do this as well, in a more serious injury, we'll do 40 treatments and then have them take a month or so off. Because the stem cell factor that I referred to takes time. 
So often we'll have patients either come back for a second round or call us and say, you know, I saw progress during treatment, but three weeks after I got home, I saw even more. And this is that Mm, stem cell factor kicking in, adding to the repair factor. And unfortunately, there are no tests to tell you ahead of time how many treatments you're going to need or when you've reached maximum effectiveness. So you really have to go by the patient's individual response to therapy. And what I'll tell people oftentimes is to have a video diary, you know, videotape every couple of weeks or every month, because oftentimes people just forget about what kind of progress yeah. they've made. Yeah, totally true. <laughs> so if they can go back and, yeah, so if they can go back and, you know, kind of get a little video themselves, that really helps to form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, I've heard so many varying um stories of, you know, like I, I know several people who are adamant that you need to do at least 40 treatments. Um, and then, you know, I've heard other people say, oh, we just did a couple. Um, so it is interesting. You know, every brain injury is different, right? Every recovery is different. Yeah, so exactly. it really depends oh, on yeah, each absolutely. individual's situation. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about you know, what, what, what it looks like if somebody comes to your clinic, how, you know, how do you manage the patient from start to finish? First, of course, you get to assess and see what's going on. Uh, Physical and history, always the starting points with everything. Then from there, I want to look at causes. And oftentimes we know the cause, so to speak, in head injury, either it's a trauma or it's something like a stroke. But to me, my question is always why. I mean, part of the goal is not only to help repair whatever damage is there, but also to prevent it in the future. And that's where nutritional approaches really help because oftentimes, you know, I've yet to meet anybody that has normal nutritional status. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Universal. And when you look at the kind of toxic load that we're under in this environment, one study looked at newborn children and on at birth, there's an average of 200 toxic agents present. So these are things that contribute to ongoing issues. So we've got to, you know, unfortunately treat a number of different ways, including, like I say, nutritional approaches. And those are probably the big ones, helping with normal nutritional status and then also the hyperbarics. Interestingly enough, there's also another therapy called pulse electromagnetic field therapy or PEMF, which can be helpful. This, as the name implies, is using you know, an, uh, electromagnetic fields in order to help heal tissue damage as well. Mm-hmm. So we try and take a pretty inclusive and complete view of things, uh, try and repair and prevent as well. Would that be similar to transcranial magnetic stimulation, TMS? Yeah, they're ba- they're exactly the same kind of technology. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about nutrition and I, you know, I think that is such an underlooked, especially in traditional medicine, traditional medicine, they might tell you, like, oh, take some fish oil, um, but that's about all you're going to get no. out of a traditional <laughs> doctor, typically. Um, and yep. it's, it's such a missing link. Um, 
you know, once I started, and I mean, for me, it was like two and a half years into my recovery before I had anyone truly know how to help me, um, you know, and starting taking, you know, um, anti-inflammatory types of supplements like turmeric and, uh, you know, glutathione and, and just, you know, different supplements and, and what you eat as well, you know, eliminating the inflammatory right. foods. And um, it's oh, so exactly. important to get that inflammation down and, and oh, also oh. going forward, preventing future in re-injuries. Yeah. We all give everybody a diet plan that we've developed. Uh, that's very low allergenic anti-inflammatory type diet. So it's it's like you're right, and unfortunately, the kind of story you've just described, where it took you know, years to find somebody to give you any help, is all too familiar. I hear this all the time, and unfortunately, I, I think <laughs> doctors tend to give answers even though they don't know them. I've had patients right. come in and say, for instance, my neurologist told me it's now 72 hours past my stroke, so hyperbarics won't work. I mean, where Good does this grief. Come from? <laughs> right, right. And lots of times doctors have told their patients, oh, don't see that guy. He's just after your money. It's all quackery and it won't help and it's uh-huh. a waste of your time and money. Yep. And I've, it's like, where I've does this heard those stories. these people? Not? Oh, my God, it's, it's just horrible. I mean, patients are really being um, disadvantaged here in terms of what they're being told about hyperbarics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I do a lot of work in the functional neurology world and it's very similar. Um, you know, I've known people whose neurologists told them, well, if you go there, I will no longer work with you. And it's like, wow, take your ego out of the game. Like why not try something (laughs) like, you know, it's worth a try. Right. I mean, yeah, it does cost money, but I mean, gosh, you know, I've just seen, profound recoveries from functional neurology, nutrition, HBOT, you know, like just amazing stories. And to have doctors just be so quick to dismiss is, is really infuriating. And a lot of, you know, we've been, we've been raised our whole life to just blindly trust our doctors and not question them. And I, I was guilty of that and until my brain injury. And then once I finally got to the right treatment, it's like, good grief. Like, how can <laughs> yeah. you guys be so ignorant? And I mean, it's one thing, you know, like if you don't know, you don't know, but don't limit what patient should try or, you know, like I kept being told, Oh, it's been a year. You're not going to get any better. This is the best you're going to be. And that's super antiquated, outdated data. <laughs> like we know about neuroplasticity oh, now. Um, so it's it's just it's so frustrating, right? And um, yeah, just doctors are doing such a disservice to to patients. And that's always my message to anyone listening. It's just like your doctors don't know everything. And you know, we tend to go to the neurologist because they specialize in the brain, right? Um, But they don't (laughs) typically specialize in brain injury because they just, it's so foreign to them. You know, they're more focused on like MS, dementia, you know, those types of diseases. So, you know, you do, you have to look outside the traditional healthcare realm 
Yeah, because they're trained in a particular kind of approach. I mean, like all doctors, uh, you know, we're trained in a certain way of approaching a problem and the therapies that we choose from. And unfortunately, hyperbarics, I, I never learned about it in medical school. This was something I had to learn afterwards on my own. Mm-hmm. But for, and this, I tell patients, and this applies not only for hyperbarics, really, but pretty much for anything. If you're asking a doctor a question about a therapy and they give you some kind of answer you're not quite sure, ask them a couple questions. Number one, how many hours of training have you had in that therapy? <laughs> yes. Number two, how long have you been doing that therapy for? And number three, which may not be relevant at this point, wants to answer number two, but number three is how many patients have you treated with this therapy? And if they're saying zero, 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 they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember my neurologist. So when I went back at like the 14 or 15 month mark and, you know, she had told me this is the best you're going to get, yada, yada. Um, and I just, I was like, well, what about trying PT, OT? Like I was throwing out any sort of therapy I could think of. I didn't know what I needed. I just knew that there was these services mm-hmm. out there, right? And she's like, mm, oh, yeah. no, I just really don't think they're going to help you. And, you know, looking back, that was the most single most detrimental thing she did for me. Like, why would yeah, you not explore PT or OT? It might not have helped me, but it probably would have helped at least a little bit, right? Yeah, because that's usually within, you know, their awareness at least. <laughs> I get a lot of yeah. patients who unfortunately have had some PT and OT. But what you'll find is, and I'll tell patients this, I'll say, okay, don't tell them that you're getting hyperbarics. And I say that not to be sneaky, but rather have your therapist be kind of a blind control for you. Let Mm -hmm. them tell you what kind of progress they're seeing. Almost invariably, they'll come back and they say, my therapist doesn't know what's going on because I'm making progress so much quicker than what she thinks I should be. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way of looking at that. And, you know, and there are some fantastic PTs and OTs and speech therapists out there that mm-hmm. truly do understand brain injury. And they're yeah. willing to refer out to HBOD or functional neurology. You know, so there are some really fantastic ones out there. And, you know, if you're lucky to get one those um yeah it's just frustrating when you don't even get that referral um and you just struggle for years yeah i I, it's really a matter of education and unfortunately it's the physicians who need to be educated more but it's frustrating i mean we've sent out information packets several times over the years to physicians who, you know, could really use this therapy for their patients. And I've gotten over the years a couple referrals. Almost everything we get is patient self-referrals. Very few Mm -hmm. doctor referrals that come to our center. And, I mean, you're a medical doctor. You are an MD, just like them. Like, it's not like you're just some average person that opened up an HBOT clinic, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just but I'm working outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm working outside yep. the box and they just don't get it. Yeah. And like you and said, it, unfortunately there's uh, I think a bit of ego involved. Yeah. In that. 
I'm going to get my patient better and there's nothing else that can happen that will help. Unfortunately, I think that you're absolutely correct when you say that there, you know, that for some people there is that kind of factor involved. You know, when you think back to your medical school, when you were in school, um, how much education did you even get on brain injury and concussion? Not much. Uh, I did actually a neurology rotation, and most of the time we weren't dealing with actual brain injuries. Like you said before, it was we were doing the EEG studies and we're you know dealing with seizures and this kind of stuff, uh, Parkinson's disease, very. And no time during that rotation was hyperbarics ever mentioned, much less yeah. used. Yeah. So then uh, at my internship, uh, I was doing some work on a neurosurgery unit, and it was the exact same thing. Everything mm-hmm. was oriented towards surgical intervention, which you know, is normal, but no hyperbarics whatsoever. And nobody talked about it. Nobody mentioned it. I got no training, like I said, no training anywhere during my actual medical school days or, you know, post-grad training at all. It was just. Yeah. I had um, Dr. Uzma Samadani on the podcast. Oh, maybe a year or so ago. Um, And she was a neurosurgeon and she really questioned, she's, you know, so they learn how to remove a tumor, stop a bleed, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so yep, and send you on your way. But they're given absolutely zero training on what to do with that patient afterwards. And she saw, a huge, huge, huge void that needed to be filled. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for trailblazers, trailblazers like her um, who are like, wait a minute, we're fixing them up, but then we're sending them home with all these problems. Um, So, you know, um, and, and I, I have to think that getting into HBOT after a brain surgery, I mean, so help me explain this correctly, but, but HBOT is technically approved for wound care, right? Like that's one of the things insurance will actually cover HBOT for. Um, So when you think of it that way and you've had like a brain surgery, that's a wound, right? So I would just think it'd be just a no brainer to put people in HBOT after tumor or a bleed (laughs) or a stroke. No well, you and I think alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this gets back to me anyway, really, to the political side of things. So, and you you look at how does this come about, and the UHMS Underwater and Hyperbaric Medical Society kind of takes it upon themselves to recommend what should be accepted. At this point, there's right. fourteen different approved indications. Actually, three of them affect the brain, carbon monoxide poisoning, gas embolism, yep. and cerebral decompression. But yeah, to me, a wound is a wound is a wound. It doesn't matter if it's on a leg or in a brain. It's the exact same situation. The exact same components are at work there. And, and a brain a injury gap. is I mean, a wound. A <laughs> yeah. Even if you can't see it. Disconnect. Yeah, Exactly. It's a huge disconnect in thinking as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I have to agree with you. Um, 
And we are just about out of time. It's, I told you, it just flies by once we get chatting. Um, such a great topic. But I would love to wrap up with just asking you, you know, your final thoughts for our listeners. You know, what advice do you have for someone listening who is still struggling years out after their brain injury? Yeah, if at all possible, get in the chamber. I mean, there is no better therapy than a hyperbaric chamber for that kind of situation. Find somebody who knows integrative medicine. They can help with the nutritional part and the other recovery factors. This is, to me, really critical, but hyperbarics is really the the key. Find somewhere, Mm -hmm. get in the chamber, (laughs) do whatever you have to do because there's nothing that compares to it. Well, Dr. Cole, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your knowledge with our listeners. And if anyone wants to find you, um, your website is colecenter.com. And I do have that in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can go click through the show notes. Um, So again, just thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. I always enjoy talking about stuff that helps people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. And thank you to everyone for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Ted Cole. And just a reminder, his website is in the show notes, colecenter.com. And another big thank you to our episode sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. Find them online for your free consultation. And just, again, you can always find previous podcasts on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes or Spotify, and or else you can go to facesoftbi.com and find all of our previous podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also remember to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening. And thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode.